Hey everybody and welcome to Steve's NRL Footy Tips for Round 17. I'm your host, Stephen Westaway. A shortened round of NRL this week with the State of Origin free coming up next Wednesday night. But like always in the world of rugby league, there's always news that comes out and this week's no different. We've got plenty of big topics to touch on momentarily, like the Dragons COVID situation. But before we do so, please remember to like Steve's NRL Footy Tips on Facebook Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcast each and every week, whether it be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. So we may as well just address the elephant in the room straight away. Let's talk about the Dragons' COVID situation. And really, it's a uh, it's, it was a reckless and stupid, just stupid decision by all these Dragons players involved. If, in case you guys didn't know, uh, the NRL has... Given breach notices to the 13 players, uh, 13 Dragons players attended Poor Vaughan, uh, the big props house, uh, during the weekend after their one-point victory against the New Zealand Warriors on Friday night. With the COVID restrictions in New South Wales at the moment and the stage four lockdown we're seeing throughout the state, this has really put the NRO in a very tough spot. Uh, they put the whole game in jeopardy. Sure, I've seen the arguments online that, oh, these guys train together each and every day. What did they do wrong? Well, you know what they did wrong? These guys got told multiple times by the NRL what they can and can't do, and they've been told it all year. They can go get the essentials. They can go to training, but that's it because the NRL's got sponsorship deals. They're on the financial break. The last thing that Rugby League needs is a COVID case with an active player in the National Rugby League because then if that happens, there's the potential that the whole game could be shut down. There's a potential that players couldn't get from state to state to play their games or even get home uh, from their games. So it's just a really crucial issue and it has been all year. The players have been pretty much behaving themselves apart from a couple like the Bulldogs that were in the wrong place at the wrong time a couple weeks ago and Josh Dugan who went out at a cafe and he got fined 25000 But the majority of the time, the players have been out there doing the right thing. And then Paul Vaughan and these Dragons that went to his house on, I think it was either, I think it was Saturday night, totally jeopardized everything uh, that the NRL has been building because... You might go, okay, again, they're not bringing in any outside players. They see each other outside. What's the big deal? The big deal is they're just simply not allowed to do it. And it's in, in the world that we're living in at the moment, it's just a, a stupid decision. Paul Vaughan today, breaking news, has found his contract ripped up. He's been sacked from the Dragons over this. Last year, he went to a cafe under a uh, alias and then got caught out, and he got a two-week suspension for that as well and had to go into isolation for two weeks. This is his second strike, and it's the strike that the Dragons have called time on. Paul Vaughan had one year left on his deal. He could have, you know, wrote it out if he just uh, stayed, you know, and concentrated on his footy on field, but he hasn't done that, and he's found himself suffering these consequences. Now, do I think he deserves to get sacked? It's a tight situation because you look at... The, uh, the sanctions that the NRL and the Dragons have handed down. Paul Vaughan got suspended eight games from the NRL, which I assume if he gets another club, he'll still have to complete that eight-match suspension. But he's also got a 50 grand fine on top of that. And now he's found that he's been sacked from the NRL, uh, from the Dragons. You look at the other players here, and you look at the likes of uh, all, the, all the other 12, and they've all got a one-game suspension, and they've got different fines that adjusted to their players' salary. 
For example, Blake Laurie, twenty thousand dollar fine. Corey Norman, fifty thousand. Daniel Alvaro, fifteen thousand. Jack Bird, twenty five thousand. Josh Kerr, eighteen thousand. Josh McGuire, twelve thousand. Kate Ellis, five thousand. Matt Dufty, twenty three thousand. Paul Vaughan got the fifty thousand, as we've already discussed. Funamanu, twelve thousand. Zach Lomax, thirty one thousand. Jack DeBellon, forty two thousand. And Gerard Bill, two thousand dollars. But the big thing here is that. Paul Vaughan's lost his job over this. Who knows if he'll be able to get another NRL club. And I just find it extremely hypocritical that if he's getting the sack, why aren't some of these other players getting caught in and questioned over what happened intensely and getting, you know, discussing their penalties? And Because I think they've got off light, some of these guys. I mean, if it's their first indiscretion, fair enough. They're stupid. They shouldn't have been there. But this could have shut down the whole rugby league world. So, and it could have cost a lot of people money. It could have cost the sponsors money, the players, the fans wouldn't have had anything to watch. It's just a stupid situation. And it could have spread COVID throughout all of New South Wales if, you know, one of these players had caught it. So, it's just really, really stupid. Uh, guys like Corey Norman and Jack DeBellin should find themselves extremely lucky today because you want to talk about Corey Norman and his. You know, off-field discretions. I think he's been involved in with bikies before, and he's had a lot of off-field problems. For him not to find the sack like Paul Vaughan, who, as far as I am aware, just had that issue last year, which you know was another COVID breach, but still, um, probably less indiscretions than Norman should find himself very lucky. Same as Jack DeBell. Now, a lot of people will think, ah, oh, you know, you got cleared. Um, well, you got cleared. Well, you got really got. You know, it was a the jury couldn't find a decision, and he pretty much got off the charges. The charges were dropped against DeBellum um, over the sexual assault issues. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about here is that the St. George Dora Dragons have backed him for the last three years. Why his court case has been going, he's been allowed to train, he's been given a contract extension. He knows after this issue that he would have been on thin ice, that he should have just been concentrating on his footy. Instead, you hear reports that Jack DeBellum was hiding under a bed on Saturday night at Paul Vaughan's house to try to evade police. Mate, how many chances do you get? Are you the stupidest football in the, uh, footballer in the game? Because, honestly, I mean, you're lucky to be in this situation. You're lucky to have a contract at all, whether you did, you know, the the deed or not in terms of what you've been accused of and, and what was dropped. Um, you got found, you, you know, you got found guilt, not guilty at the end of the day, but you should really find yourself lucky that you've got a contract in the NRL. And some of these guys really need to take responsibility for their actions and take ownership of what they've done. The Dragons, how they affected their club. Well, the Dragons have got 12 players now that they've sacked Paul Vaughan, that they've lost a player, and now they've got 12 players that all have to miss a game through suspension over the next three rounds that the Dragons play. Now... That's going to be at least four players a week, you'd think. And if we go off any indication of what the Bulldogs dished up against Manly where they lost 66-0 to on Saturday without a few of their stars, and I know that Dragons are probably a better team than the Canterbury Bulldogs definitely are if we're going off this season. But that's a huge loss each of those weeks, and that really puts the Dragons' uh, season in jeopardy. They don't know if you're playing football, finals football anymore. And the fans should be... in. Should have the right to be pissed off, should be angry, and I think some of these fans might even tear their memberships up, to be honest. Because, do you really want to be supporting a team at the moment that players don't seem to care about the health and safety of others? Uh, I'm sure that's not what the Dragons players went out to do to to cause damage to the to 
you know, the area and, and put everything under risk. But that's what's happened. And they need to step up and take ownership of it. And they need to learn from it. And all the other players in the NRL need to learn from this situation. Because, again, if a player does contract COVID-19, the whole NRL shuts down. And that's going to be a terrible result for everybody involved. So I hope these Dragons players have learned from the mistake. And I hope all the NRL players have taken note of what has happened here over the last few days. And we can move on, get to some football uh, talk about some footy matches this weekend and look forward to State of Origin 3 next week. But if one of these players had contracted the, the virus, we might not be talking about anything because the NRL might be shut down. So that's my take on the Dragons COVID situation. All right, we're going to get into my preview of Round 17 shortly. But before we do so, I do want to address one more thing. I know it's a long opening, but... Uh, the New South Wales and Queensland teams have been named full game free of State of Origin. We discussed it last week on the show. Mitchell Moses has been given the nod at halfback. He will partner Jack Wyden in the halves after Jerome Luai suffered an MCL injury in Friday night's victory over the Parramatta Eels. So no halves from Penrith in the New South Wales side. Luai and Cleary both out injured. That's going to affect Penrith in the short term significantly, but luckily they do have the bye this week. But New South Wales are going to go into the game with Jack Wyden, who... Let's be honest, he's not setting the world on fire there at Canberra this year. He's got a limited time in the first two State of Origin games. And Mitchell Moses, a player that's never performed in a finals match in a, in a high-pressure situation, like I've said many times in this show, he's going to be put into the highest, or well, one other than a grand final, maybe the highest-pressure situation there is, into the State of Origin arena. We'll see if he can sink or swim. The good news for both of these guys, I mean, Wyden's got the experience in grand finals. He's a big game player. He's a Clive Churchill medalist. Um, and, you know, he's played with these guys in the first two Origin games. The, the difference for these guys... Uh, compared to what we'd usually see when two new halves come in for the Blues if they've got a gun team around them. Uh, guys like Tedesco, Latrell Mitchell, and Tommy Turbo are absolutely on fire at the moment. And, you know, it's it's going to be a tough welcome to the Origin Arena. I'm sure Queensland are going to be looking to put as much pressure as they could possibly put on these two halves. But I think that if you ever want to make your debut in an Origin, it's around a side like what we've seen in the first two games by New South Wales. So uh, those changes they've made, the Blues have also been forced to make uh, a couple others because of those. Appy Corus here comes on the bench to take Jack Wyden's spot. He's been in the squad for the first two games, so it's good to see him get his opportunity. And Dal Finucane will play his first origin of the year after Daniel Saifidi has been ruled out due to a rib injury. So uh, a few changes by the Blues, but they have a very rare chance of going 3-0 in the State of Origin Series this year. For Queensland, they've made a host of changes. The most significant Two, in my opinion, Kalen Ponga back to fullback, which shifts Holmes back into the wing. Kyle Feltz uh, being dropped. Xavier Coates kept his spot for them. But the big one uh, is that Kurt Capewell has been moved back in the second row. It was a mismatch, uh, mismatch against Tommy Turbo in those first two origins. He's been replaced by uh, the Hammer from the North Queensland Cowboys. Um, Hammer so Tobias Fado. He's not necessarily known for his defense, but he's going to have a big job on his hand, and it could be a tough origin um, welcome for him as well come next Wednesday. There are other changes. Ben Hunt will be the starting hooker, making uh, taking the place of Andrew McCulloch, who's found himself dropped um, from the Queensland side entirely. Kurt Cable, as I said, he moved back to the second row, um, which has put... Put Big Tino back to the bench. David Fafita keeps his spot at the bench, but he's fighting at the judiciary tonight to see if he will be playing Origin 3. And Alexander Brimson, AJ Brimson, who's come back 
Um, and had a great game on the weekend for the Titans. Finds himself in the utility spot for Queensland on the bench. It's going to be a big game. We'll see if New South Wales can do a clean sweep for the first time in 21 years and only the fourth time in Blues history, only the eighth time in State of Origin history. If you guys want to hear my predictions for that match, make sure to check out Steve's State of Origin Game Free Preview coming your way next Tuesday. Check that out. Two podcasts next week because we're going to have NRL Round 18 action. But uh, I've wasted enough time talking about this, the issues in the game. Let's get to my previews for Round 17, the NRL action. And uh, it all kicks off on Thursday night. Coming at you guys live up there at, I think it's now called Four Pine Stadium at Brookvale when the Manly Seagulls host the Canberra Raiders from 7.50. The big news, uh, which is no surprise, is that Manly will be missing Tom Chorovich and Daly Sherry Evans. Both gone to origin duty. Ruben Garrick shifts back to fullback to replace Tom and they bring in Moses Suley into the starting side. Um, to replace Garrick's wing. Dylan Walker will start as halfback in an interesting choice by Manly. Still no sight of uh, Schuster or Curtis Surinan for Manly. They're still both out. Uh, for the Raiders, well, they've just had a, a shocking year, to be honest. I mean, they're the most disappointing team in the competition. This year, without a shadow of a doubt, I had them in my grand final and to see... What they've fallen to is an absolute joke. They're also missing Josh Papali and Jack White in the state of origin duty. Matt Frawley comes into the side. Um, Ray Gula will be starting. They've got the young kid, Xavier Savage, who played as the 18th man in that Dragons game in round 15. He'll be making his real NRL debut here today, uh, this weekend. and It's going to be an interesting contest. Both teams missing some stars. The Raiders... Completely down on form and mainly flying high, and they've just been on a one-way wrecking path of anyone that gets in their path. They've just been destroying them. They're missing Tom Tsurovich. The last time they were missing Tom Tsurovich, though, they beat the Cowboys 50-12. to You think they're going to carry this momentum over in this match. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Foran and Walker combine. That's my worry for, for Manly, and Manly have to be wary because Ricky Stewart, he's going to have, try to have these guys fired up. He's made a bunch of changes. He wants to see what sticks, but it's been a disaster. And the Raiders, David Feeder gets sent to the sin bin last Saturday night. And Titans, they score three tries against the Raiders. That just shows you where the Raiders are at at the moment. It's just the effort's not there. The players don't look like they want to be there. There's some guys out there having a go. Guys like Corey were here in Nira. And Croker tried really hard, Jared Croker, in his return last week. But it's just not good enough. And if these guys aren't going to be up to first grade standard, then Ricky really has to make some decisions over the long-term future of some of these guys. It's only one season that the Raiders have gone bad, but it has been a disaster in 2021. And he needs to get a fix and get a fix fast because he's versing a manly side that are down on troops as well. They're not 100%. They don't have their star player, the best player in the game at the moment, Tom Tsurovich, in that form he is. So they've got a chance to come out here and win this game. It's just a matter of what Raiders are we going to see. Are we going to see the Raiders that we've seen in previous years that are going to be there to compete? Um, or are we going to see a Raiders team that just folds any uh, under any sort of defensive pressure? Um, their attack's been all over the place since Sam Williams has come in the side. Not that it is fault because of the George Williams departure, but they just seem to be lacking some spark. We'll see if the young kid in Xavier Savage can offer that at the back. But I just can't find any way to tip the Raiders. I mean, it's possible, as I said, that Manly could be walking into an ambush and Ricky will have these guys ready to go after that embarrassing performance against the Titans. But 
Even though Manly have troops out, I just feel like they've got more points in them. Guys like Carl Lawton and uh, and Lachlan Croker are in really good form for him. Rubik Garrick is on fire. And the last time he played at fullback for Manly in that Cowboys game, in I think it was round 13, he ran for over 300 metres. Expect him to be heavily involved and expect Manly to win this game. I've got Manly in this match by eight points, but I think it's going to be a grind for them. And I think that the Raiders... If you're Ricky Stewart, at least you've got to hope so, are going to put up a much better performance this week. All right, moving on to the Friday game now. and It starts and comes your way at 7.55pm from Stadium Australia. The South Sydney Rabbitohs hosting the North Queensland Cowboys. Just like Manly, this is an understrength for Rabbitohs' side. All of Cam Murray, Damian Cook, Dane Gay Guy, Jai Aaron Latrell Mitchell, all on origin duty. Um, Blake Taft, the young half, is going to be playing fullback for CFs this week, taking Latrell Mitchell's spot. We've got Braden Burns in the centres um, to replace Gagai. Guys like uh, Hame Sele moving to lock and some forwards, uh, some young kids like Peter Mamalouzis gets his spot on the bench and Benji Marshall will be playing hooker to cover uh, Damien Cook like he did in round 13. So, uh, you know, I mean... This is one of these games that's going to be a danger game for Seahs. Uh, the Cowboys, not really affected by Origin. They're just missing Holmes and the Hammer. And obviously, Holmes are big out. They've got Dajan Arcee at the back there for them this week. But I think that the Cowboys are in a place at the moment with their 2021 season that they need to win this game or they can ride off the rest of the year. They started the season off horrible. They had a good month or two, but then they just seemed to be falling back into their old ways. It was a very bad performance against the Knights last week. No excuses um, that they can provide are going to cover that. Scott Drinkwater looks the most dangerous for the Cowboys, and you'd want him to have a touch on the ball as much as possible, but really their forwards really need to step up. I mean, they're doing uh, Drinkwater and... Din and Holmes when he plays, no justices at all. Um, Hess, McLean, Tamalolo, the likes of these guys just seem to be falling under any sort of pressure at the moment and just don't tend to be matching uh, some of the aggressiveness of some of the opposition forwards. Newcastle's forwards were all over the top of them um, last Saturday night, so you've got to expect more. I think this is a danger game for South Sydney, but I think that it's a good opportunity as well for them to showcase some of the younger talent. And they've got guys like Tane Milne and uh, Burns and Taft really get their opportunity to step up. And even their forwards, Koloma Tungi and Hame Sele, they've been playing this year, but without their veteran forwards there, they really get a chance to step up and uh, make a statement in this game. Tom Burgess found himself on the bench for the last month for CFs. Uh, I think he's had a mixed season, but I think there's a real chance for him to take real leadership of this forward pack with Benji. And uh, I think that with their hearts intact, Walker and Reynolds, despite the lack of experience they have around them, I think that they can really uh, game-manage the South City Rabbitohs to a victory here. It might not be pretty, but I think South will get the job done. And we saw against the Tigers in the second half that even when their stars are on board, they don't make it easy for themselves. Their defense just folds at sometimes, and sometimes they just don't show up, which really is worrying in terms of South competing against the bigger teams like Melbourne and Penrith this year. We've seen so far this year that they haven't been able to. But uh, I think this is just a, a week that Seahs get through and concentrate on getting their origin stars back and really making a run um, against this top two later in the year. So I've got Seahs in this game by four points, but I think it's going to be really tight. I just think the difference for me is Walker and Reynolds. 
versus Drinkwater and Deedon. And I just think that Walker and Reynolds have a bit more experience and uh, can really expose the holes in this Cowboys defense that seems to fold very, very easily. So I've got Seahawks by four in this matchup. All right, moving on to the Sunday game now. And it's the Canterbury Bulldogs hosting the Sydney Roosters. The Bulldogs, what can you say? I mean, 66-0 last week. Both these teams, in fact, coming off a of flogging. We'll get to the Roosters momentarily with their 46-0 defeat to, against the Melbourne Storm. But the Bulldogs, sure, they had their excuses. Uh, they had their COVID-affected players out of action who all returned this week. Guys like Katoa and Dylan Napa and Aaron Shoup, they're all back. Um, but really, they were never in that game against Manly. You've got to feel sorry for Trent Barrett because basically what he's running out and what he ran out last week was a reserve-grade team. We look at the side this week, and no offense to some of these guys in this side, but it's just not a team that's going to really cause damage to anyone. They've managed to win two games this year, and with the Broncos winning against the Sharks on Sunday, I think they're destined for a wooden spoon. I know they've got some good recruits coming next year in Burden, uh, Josh Adokar. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some positive signs there for the Dogs. And who knows, they might even give Paul Vaughan a punt at the moment. I mean, what do they have to lose? But it's just it's just a case where they just don't have the talent and they just don't have any, you know, kind of firepower to compete with the good sides. And if they're going to play, if anyone's going to play this Roosters side that are really struggling because, you know, they've had to exhaust their top 30 players just to get a squad each and every week with all the injuries to Roosters this year. But this is the perfect match for them to play back in form. I think times are going to get worse for the Bulldogs before they get better. 66-0 is Manly's biggest ever win, and it's one of the Bulldogs' biggest losses. But I just think that we've got some more tough times ahead. I don't see what team they're going to beat before the end of the year. I just I, I think they might end on two wins. and It's, it's, it's a sad thing to say because there's some guys out there that are really performing for them and really um, you know, trying 100% guys like... Luke Thompson, and I think Kyle Flanagan was even pretty decent and has got a shaft a bit this year at the Canterbury, and he had a decent return last week. But when you're just getting steamrolled and your defense isn't there and you can't make meters, I think it's just, and I think this is what they've done, it's just time to blow up the whole organization and the whole side and just start fresh. And I think that's what Trent Barrett has to do if he's going to find success in the future. But really, the Roosters, who, you know, they just they're just tired. They tried hard last week against the Storm, but they're just outclassed in each and every way. And they've got no Tedesco this week. They've got no Angus Trident. Daniel Fafita is suspended again for another stupid act. Um, another yeah, it's just the less we say about that, the better. But I think the Roosters they find themselves in a situation here where they can get an an easy two points. They can't take the Bulldogs lightly because we know that the Bulldogs uh, can try to grind their way to a victory and. Um, a lot of times their, their defense is what they try to focus on to win them games. But as we see when, you know, they're versing a team that's red hot and they just can't defend and mainly expose them for that last week. But the Roosters will get the job done here. They should get the job done here. I think Sam Walker, who has been beaten and battered for the last few weeks, the Storm were putting so much pressure on him last week. It was unbelievable. I think he's going to have a big game. Billy Smith plays his first game of the year in the centers. I just expect the Roosters to be big winners here. I've got the Roosters by 40 points in this matchup. And as I said, I just think it's going to get worse for the Bulldogs before it gets better, unfortunately. All right, let's move on to the final game of round 17 now. And it all takes place from the Stratus Jubilee Jubilee Stadium. I butchered that when the Cronulla Sharks take on the New Zealand Warriors. 
The Sharks, well, they could have been in the top eight. They could just get over Brisbane on the weekend, but they took them lightly. They paid the price. It wasn't a good performance. Uh, they didn't seem to be all there, the Sharks. So it's concerning, especially considering they've got an easy run home and you, you really back the Sharks to make a run for the eight and compete in the finals, um, you know, pre-Sunday. But now they find themselves in a situation where they, they have to start winning some footy games and... The Dragons' whole COVID situation, the players, they're going to be missing helps Cronulla, but they've got to be a lot better. Their completions have to be better. Um, they just don't seem to be on the same page. Connor Tracy's doing a good job wherever, wherever he plays, but Johnson can't do it all alone, and he needs some guys to help him. Um, it just needs to connect, and on the weekend it didn't. Their defense wasn't... Um, desperate's not the word, but they weren't committed enough, and they need to be better all around. They're versing... A Warriors side this week that welcomed back Reese Walsh, but Chad Townsend and Tohu Harris are both injured, so um, not great news for him there. The Sharks also don't have any origin players out, so both of these sides, uh, well, the Sharks anyway, close to full strength. The, the Warriors' name is similar side, but they're not full strength. They do welcome back Cody Nicarima this week. Matt Lodge will play his first game for the club as well um, after doing the mid-season switch from the Broncos. But the Warriors... We saw it on Friday night against the Dragons. They just find ways to lose matches. They went an 18-10 with about seven minutes left in this, that contest. And Chad Townsend tried to get a field goal to ice the game, thinking it was only six points that they were winning by. But really, the game management let them down. Their defense let them down. They just don't seem desperate enough, and they just seem to really clock off in matches. And you can't do it, especially against the good sides. And, you know, I don't even think the Dragons are necessarily a good side, but they just can't clock off for, for long periods of the match. So they started poorly against the Dragons. They they had about 30 minutes where they really got on top of them. But that's not a good good enough to win your football matches, and Nathan Brown knows that. And, you know, I feel sorry for him. He lost his brother last week, so um, it, it was a bad weekend for him. He needs to somehow get this Warriors team ready. And really, this week, just like the Cowboys, their season's on the line. They need a win here. I think they're five wins and ten losses. The Sharks aren't going to be easy beats. They never are, really. Even when they're going bad, they're never easy beats. And I just think that whoever loses this game out of both sides, their season just is gone. It's a write-off. But I think that the Sharks just have a little bit more at the moment. I know they lost to a Broncos, but they lost to a determined Broncos side. I think Johnson can lead them on the right track. And I just don't... I'm not sure why the Warriors are persisting with playing Rogers who have Ivy Sheck on the wing. He makes 250-plus metres a game at fullback. I know Reese Walsh is a talent, and he's a very talented kid, but he's not first-grade proven. He isn't proven um, to handle the pressure at the back end. I'm sure he'll do a great job there, but why can't he do it in 2022? RTS has about eight or nine games left of his NRL career. Wouldn't you want your best player playing in the most important position on the field rather than being stranded down in the wing and not being nearly enough involved as he should be. So I question that decision, and I think that the Sharks have a bit too much strike power for the Warriors. I know they can score points, but it's been the same situation all year with them. They've got such a big forward pack that they just can't keep up with the speed of the game. And I think the the Sharks forward pack, guys like Tolman, and Nakore and Toby Rudolph are going to be more than up for the challenge against this Warriors side. And I think even with the damaging prop combination of Fenua Blake and Lodge, I think if they can shut them down early, the Sharks can get on top here and really put some points on the board. I've got the Sharks by 14 this game, and I think that it will pretty much spell doom for the Warriors season, unfortunately. All right. Well, guys, that was my tips for Round 17. It's a shorter round this week. 
Let's recap. And on Thursday night, I've got the Manly Seagulls being too strong for the Raiders. The Friday game, Souths just overcoming the Cowboys. On Saturday, I've got the Roosters putting plenty on the Bulldogs. And I've got the Sharks bouncing back against the Warriors on Sunday afternoon football. As I said, uh, halfway through this show, there's two podcasts coming your way next week. It's Steve State Origin Game Free Special. That comes your way on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, I'll be back with my preview and my predictions for round 18, as well as the recap of State of Origin Free. Thank you guys for the support so far in 2021. Keep it up. Let's hope there is no more COVID issues this week. And, you know, it was a bit of a rant there talking about the Dragons, but I hope everybody learned a lesson from it in terms of everyone involved in the NRL and we can keep this great game going because really it's the only thing keeping me and a lot of other diehard rugby league fans sane during the uh, COVID lockdown that we're in at the moment. So enjoy your football, stay safe guys, and I'll see you next week on Steve's NRL Footy Tips.